alongside and underneath the parte, you've been charged with a serious task. Because tonight, in this very room, a murder will be committed. My murder. You will have to closely observe the crime. Consider what you know about each other. Know that across the island I've hidden clues. Some may be helpful, some may misdirect. That's for you to determine. But if anyone can name the killer, tell me how they achieved the murder, and most importantly, what was the motive? That person wins our game. Any questions? Uh, wait, what do we win? I, what do you mean, what do you, what do you, what do you want? No, no, nothing. I just, I, I just thought maybe there was a prize or something. I, I, an iPad or like. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, no, no, the winner gets an iPad. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike, and our 2022 train continues with the wonderful Glass Onion, a film that I've been so excited for for so long, uh, dreaded immediately as soon as it was announced, because, like, how do you follow <laughs> oh, up? Oh, it's good. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> That's a, such a Webb reaction. <laughs> I love this. I love the idea of this, and I also hate it. <laughs> Sight unseen, I hate it. <laughs> But like, how do you follow up Knives Out? Like that's perfect. Leave it alone. But you know Ryan Johnson uh, uh, doing the smart thing was like you can't follow it up. So uh, just go the Sherlock Holmes route and have uh, Benoit Blanc back, and everything else is new, which is the only way to do it. I mean, really, can you imagine the outfit too? I mean, I can't. That movie made no money. But can you imagine if that was announced? Like I, you'd immediately dread it because like how did, don't mess up a good thing. Ryan Johnson, uh, there are so many people that would say the exact same thing about uh, his time in Star Wars. Like, don't mess up a good thing, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) But they also would say, uh, repeat yourself. Like, have Knives Out where Ana de Armas comes back and, you know, she uh, uproots another rich liberal family that are a bunch of shitheads. Like, we'll just do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out... That's what she does. <laughs> That's how she makes her living. Oh, goodness. The, the, the film Knives Out is so good in that it really plays with your emotions. Uh, you, you know, the uh, I'm going to use the term the turn. When the turn happens, the three acts of a magic trick, <laughs> as we all learned from the press scenes, the turn is where we've got I believe an ordinary thing and it turns into something extraordinary. The turn for Knives Out happens like 30 minutes in. At the end of the first act, it's revealed that Marta, Anna de Armas' character, is the one who accidentally killed Harlan. 
And the whole movie, you are sympathizing with a murderer. You don't know why, just that you like, she's a good person. She's clearly a good person. And so you're kind of on her side and you don't know how to feel about that. And then when it's finally revealed that, no, uh, she didn't actually kill him. He committed suicide rightfully. She gave him the correct dosage of medication. It's a it's, it's she is exonerated in that moment, and you as the viewer, you were emotionally vindicated for how you felt. You weren't siding with a murder; you were siding with a good person. That's that's next level. That's next level writing. And so, I was I come into Glass Onion with a little bit of how are they going to top it? Do you think they topped it? I think I had more fun with this one. Um, now, granted, we are recording it because of Netflix and their complete stupidity when it comes to uh, – I was about to use the word grooming, but that's – you know that we don't want that in you know, any sort of internet. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, but, um, you know, uh, finessing IP. And this is IP that they, they bought at auction and, you know, Mr. Johnson showing all those Last Jedi haters that he went out and made – a hundred million dollars or whatever by selling the sequel rights uh, to to Knives Out. I don't know if they're well, stewards. I don't know if they're great stewards of IP. They want IP. They don't want you to pay attention to to Disney, and they don't want you to pay attention to Paramount Plus and all the other pluses. But the only things that people really watch are the few episodic hits they have. Your Squid Games. Orange is the New Black. Uh, given how many of them there are, though, uh, that's a lot of <laughs> shots on goal that they, they miss. Um, and you only hear about the very few successes. Stranger Things is probably their most popular one, right? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, actually, I don't know. I don't know if anyone knows what <laughs> Netflix tells us <laughs> it is, but <laughs> how do we really know? You and I have very much recency bias, so much so that right before we got into the episode proper here we were talking about the, the the need to possibly see it again because they are removing it from from theaters uh giving it a week that's it and then you're gonna wait for the next holiday of christmas and get to stream it uh presumably until the end of days <laughs> until the end of and when apple or microsoft buys uh, netflix and maybe there's a reshuffling i don't know but there certainly is, at the time of this recording, I have to acknowledge the recency bias that I just watched this for the first time in a theater, uh, not sold out, but very damn well close to it, with people who are laughing. They're like, you can tell they're sort of like tittering, like as far as with each reveal. Uh, and I thought, man, um, I don't think I would maybe feel as buzzy about it watching it alone. Uh, at home because I had the same experience with Knives Out theatrically and yes now I watch it alone I've watched Knives Out repeatedly I've probably seen it four or five times but that initial thrill of that, that sort of communal experience of um, the parlor games that Ryan Johnson's going for the, the Agatha Christie like you know now we're going to have an, an expert reveal all the things that you may have missed and you're not going to be mad at us about it because I don't think Ryan Johnson's playing dirty pool but I don't think in this subgenre people really care that much you can stretch it a little bit if you give the illusion that all the cards were on the table and you could have figured it out uh, that leads me to my other point with this is the interesting thing about both entries into knives out you know knives out to glass onion included i know <laughs> how much you would have wanted that title web so much so that you text me <laughs> saying there's no mention of knives out thank god <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
That was a big concern for me. I was like, this doesn't even make any sense. What do you mean a Knives Out mystery? <laughs> like, why is he referencing the first one? All my mom said was uh, that she missed the chair. She did. She did, We went to, so I, I had like a Thanksgiving week where she had not seen Knives Out. So ahead of Thanksgiving, I had her watch it. And then on uh, Black Friday, we went out, you know, with the family and we watched Glass Onion. So I was really compacting the fandom of Knives Out, Knives Out for her. She didn't even know what it was. <laughs> and now you're going to get the, the sequel, kind of. Uh, that was just her only comment that I'm relaying to our podcast listeners is that she enjoyed the Knives Out throne, as it were, more so than the Glass Onion of the, I guess, Elon Musk-like characters built for himself. She's just saying aesthetically she'd rather have that in her house than a, a glass <laughs> dome. The interesting thing about both entries, though, is how much fun Ryan Johnson has with, as you mentioned, revealing things that you feel like shouldn't be revealed to you. The difference, I guess, was Glass Onion, you know, Knives Out had the, I guess, the Watson that we couldn't necessarily trust. The <laughs> Our our expert has said, you're going to be my Watson to, to my Sherlock. And then Watson just fucks with Sherlock for a good 20 minutes, like screwing things up, the evidence, the trail, all of it. Uh, and the new Watson, uh, for, for glass onion, we get a nice 25 minutes where she gets to school our Sherlock here, uh, played by Daniel Craig on just what is what, like, here's what you've heard. Here's what's really going on. I'm bringing this to you and you get to see them concoct a plan together that you've already partially seen in motion. I love this element. I don't know if he'll be able to do it. You know, for the third entry, do you think he'll be able to basically sort of stop, pause, reset? Because he's done it successfully twice now. I don't know if he'll be able to do it for the next yeah. Netflix entry into this. That, oh, hey, that's why he gets paid the big bucks. He better figure out a way to do it again. I, I can't believe he did it this time. I was getting worried because I want to say we're close to halfway in the film when the turn happens in this one. I was very caught off guard with the futuristic visuals of it there's the setting alone with the uh, uh very ostentatious glass onion and uh the admittedly funny the little robot thing that's walking behind edward norton's character like uh, in the beginning of the i'm very caught off guard and kind of um uncomfortable because i like my mysteries old timey and 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 have a bit of sophistication to them and this was anything but sophisticated right you're losing the New England setting. You're losing the house. You're losing the the author of yeah. mysteries himself doing the very clue like thing. Like we're um, we, we've called you together, and this is this is my life's work, and now you get to participate in it. I think the I mean one key difference in the ensemble is it's similar in that we are yet again being beckoned by some sort of rich overlord and all these sycophants. But I don't think. <laughs> I don't think there's one earnest moment with the characters of Glass Onion, whereas at least with the family dynamic of Knives Out, you could make an argument that maybe at some point, one of these guys, maybe they had the best interests of uh, the Patriarch's legacy in mind. That, that is completely out the window when you have Edward Norton as this sort of, sort of tech bro uh, nut job, just spouting out nonsense left, left and right. Uh, and boy, do I love, God, I love when I see Edward Norton on screen again. And I really enjoy that he's <laughs> mainly disappeared from leading man status. That was over 20 years ago at the turn of the century. 
And I don't know if it's the Wes Anderson effect where he's played small parts in those films. Uh, he's definitely leaned into buffoonery as his, <laughs> as his thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the one thing when I exited Knives Out, I was like, everyone did great. You know, the cast is good. I don't think the cast is as good as the first one, but everyone did a good job. I would have liked our main character, well, not main character, but our antagonist. I, I wish it was Clooney because he plays such a good buffoon with the Coens. I was like, he would have been. Norton was great. I think Clooney would have been even better because I think he can play the buffoon. He might be too likable, though. At least with Edward Norton, there's a distance there. Clooney, though, you still kind of want to be him. true. No matter what predicament he's in. No matter if he's on a <laughs> chain gang with really stupid ideas in a Coen Brothers joint. Uh, but yes, I agree with you. He is. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to go shout out. I'm a, I'm a lover of the white ladies and the, the pretty blondes. Kate Hudson, I felt like, was the one that was really leaning into... Uh, boy, what a jackass. And not only that, what a proud jackass she was. Like, even when she realized she's being a jackass, she revels in it. Like, isn't it great <laughs> being a rich, white, blonde lady who can say and do any number of horrible things? And that's just going to be my vibe, is saying really vile shit online, and I will be rewarded for it. I like that. I was concerned. You're not a Kate Hudson fan. Who, who, we had a, a conversation months ago where I felt like you said there was some other person that could have been in this part and you were totally up in arms that Kate Hudson got it, which is a huge fan of how to lose a guy in <laughs> 10 days. I was like, first off, how dare you Webb? This is one of our finest <laughs> comedians <laughs> that we have. I am not familiar with her work. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I think I've seen one Kate Hudson film and it's called glass onion. I don't know yeah, if I've pretty seen good. anything else. Saying? She's pretty good in this, yes. You're still hanging on to Tony Collette. You're hanging on to one of the other assholes from Knives Out <gasps> 1. <laughs> oh, Webb just Collette. put his uh, hand yes. over his heart. <laughs> He's swooning <laughs> right now. <laughs> as long as I don't think about hereditary, <laughs> yes. Oh, and she's stalking her own son on the ceiling. That's when I swooned. I was just like, that's right. Let's, let's do a little course correction here. Get rid of these fucking idiot kids. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful uh, ensemble piece, just like the first one. Uh, it doesn't work quite as well. Uh, I, I, think the, I think the first uh, cast is a little better, but this one has its own. Because everyone is so slimy, they're all pretty much villains. But what happens is all the little bit of, of uh, emotional attachment you have to the family members of uh, in Knives Out, all of it goes into the uh, Cassandra and um, Helen character. like uh, Because the, the twin. Because you put all of that little investment combine it into one character and you want her to succeed so badly to the point where once you're caught up to where the characters are and you're getting that back to the future part two except in this you know the second half of the film you're reminded that she gets shot and it's it's heartbreaking and you remember yeah, why? Why was why was Benoit Blanc crying? Uh, you know, in the be, and then you realize, oh no! And then, as you mentioned, 
having the experience with the audience. I feel like the audience was a half a second ahead, but that anticipation was perfect because when he turned over that hot sauce and we got to see Jeremy Renner's face on the, everyone, <laughs> like it was a great moment in the theater. I laughed out loud. Plenty of people laughed out loud. It was a wonderful moment that we all got to experience together. So, yes, like despite the fact that I, uh, I, I did, like ultimately I came out of this film as like it was good. Not as good as the first one, but damn was it good. Despite all of that, it still gives you those moments. Like Ryan Johnson just knows how to do it. I will have, I, I'm going to do my one negative thing. That I think you attempted to do in the outfit. I feel like um, this one, uh, which I think Knives Out is a little bit over two hours as well. I can't remember, but I, I think it's a, a little bit longer uh, than what you anticipate for you know genre fare of this sort. Uh, and this one's about uh, two twenty as well. Um, I wonder if um, the Leslie Odom uh, character, who is uh, basically the scientist. Uh, the brains uh, behind <laughs> this, uh, you know, horrible uh, version of sort of Elon Musk played by Norton. Um, he doesn't uh, like there. There's sort of like Ryan Johnson likes to play with Mister X, and I honestly thought he was one big Mister X because I'm I'm waiting for more dickishness from this character. As you said, with the first mm. times out. We all kind of can key into uh, a family uh, descendants of the wealthy who are all going to be, especially when we're talking about uh, there's one sequence, which is the reading of the will, all of them are going to look pretty bad because they may be grieving, they may be not, but they're also sort of rubbing their palms together, <laughs> waiting to see like what they get uh, from, a, you know, a life uh, passing. And in Glass Onion, I felt like he doesn't really have a sequence where I'm ever really doubting him other than uh, I guess his biggest sin is you're just sort of letting your boss just be an idiot and you know, you're smarter than him, but I didn't feel that to be like a hellworthy thing uh, because it's like, well, it's his money. I guess I'm just going to execute whatever stupid plan he has. I honestly had my suspicions about him because I kept waiting. <laughs> Where's the scene <laughs> where I should hate him? Uh, like I hate, you know, Bautista as this, uh, <sighs> I don't know. Would you even say it's even authentically like a men's right activist or is it even worse than that? He's just found something that gets views online and he'll just navigate to that. That to me almost seems worse uh, in a strange way. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a cross between like an Alex Jones and, and like a, a Twitch streamer. Like he's mm -hmm. the worst of both worlds because he knows it'll, it'll get him exposure. It, it will just, uh, you know, fame. Fame is ultimately what, what he wants. And one smaller misdirect in the casting, uh, Catherine Hahn can go pretty fucking big. Yeah. And this is a fairly broad film, and I don't I don't think she goes very big either. No. Bautista does, Kate Hudson, and that also was a misdirect to me because I kept waiting for that, that sequence. I don't know. Of course, I'm going to eat up uh, any special features that are coming uh, in a video release. Please, Netflix, can you please, like... You know, sell us uh, a nice copy, uh, digital, physical, something. Um, I don't think has Netflix. Have they tried to do those extra features thing? I, I seem to remember when I wrapped up uh, Ozark that they had a second square you could click on, which was like you know remembering Ozark or something. 
Um, but I always just treat those as extra squares, not special features proper. I mean, lately, a lot of these Netflix films have been showing up on the Criterion Collection, so you never Last know. <laughs> we might get our first... <laughs> yeah! We might get our first Ryan Johnson feature. Who knows? One thing I will also say about this film is that... Which shocked me. I didn't think I could be shocked in the movie theater, but it addresses the pandemic directly. And to the point where you've got people in masks in this film. And I was like, whoa, are we going to have an entire movie with masks? But then uh, I believe it was Ethan Hawke. I was kind of taken aback. I was like, is that Ethan Hawke who shows up and gives them the, the vaccine or the, the whatever magic cure? I got into a, not an argument. But I had a slight disagreement with my brother. As I said, this was like a family affair uh, over Thanksgiving to watch these uh, two films. Uh, he didn't like that. He says it's just like not to Glass Onion specifically, but he doesn't like when very recognizable name actors show up and sort of like the film announces, hey, look, look at this. It's a name actor doing a very thankless task. I actually liked it because I felt like it fits the vibe of the ultra rich that they would have someone who looks like Ethan Hawke that would basically be your butler on the dock. Not even your butler on the island resort, but here, let me just jab you with this real quick and in a very snooty way, just say you're good. Basically, you've got the rich person vaccine. You don't need to worry about masks anymore. <laughs> I, I dug it. I dug, but it was it was jarring and you could actually feel, a little, at least in my theater, like people didn't know how to take it. Like, Oh, are we going to like talk about COVID a lot or what? Like it's, they were like, don't basically don't ruin this good time. But I, I it fits, it fits with, you know, we're, we're dealing with rich people can just buy their way out of uh, life's worries. Even when it's very, you know, it's very wizard of Oz here. This, I mean, Edward Norton here, he does, he doesn't have any ideas on his own. He just spews bullshit and he's rich enough that, <laughs> People are like, what about this weird dog-looking thing that will pack suitcases, which seems totally inefficient to just, <laughs> well, A, you know, having a butler like Ethan Hawke do it, or B, just picking them up yourselves, uh, that sort of thing. But, Webb, uh, not to get too Marvel fanboy here, I did have, like, a hope. I'm like, oh, now you, what if you did, like, a you brought Ethan Hawke back for the next one? He got a new gig with another rich asshole. And you can have a proper, the butler did it. You can have a proper <laughs> butler, you know, like set piece, that something like that. I also just love Ethan Hawke. I'm never sold on a movie because Ethan Hawke is in it, but I like it when he's in movies. I don't know how else to uh, explain. I, I, I hope I'm not insulting Mr. Ethan Hawke here, but it's like I like it when he's in my movies, but... His name on a marquee is not going to do it for me. I like to treat it like. A, do you know the story behind it? As far as I, I end up, I just had to look it up. I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like, um, it's as simple as. Um, and I told my wife, this better not be like he was just shooting something else in town, and just showed up to hang out for a day. That's exactly what it was. He was shooting Moon Knight, and he escaped the clutches of Marvel to like you know follow a true artist. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you just want to be in it just for a minute? Sure, yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. That's all it was. That's awesome. I thought it was wonderful to have uh, Hugh Grant in that one little scene to... Now he might actually come back. I, I can see that. Yeah. You know, that dynamic will come back. Yes. Um, you know, the other thing I will say about addressing the pandemic is you wonder if... Well, I certainly did. Whether any film will really talk about it. The, the show, the TV show Superstore, which was kind of like a, a spiritual successor to The Office. I don't know if you ever watched it, but it's very much, it's like very much in, in, in the same style. Is that a TBS 
comedy joint? I believe it was NBC. Oh, okay. So it was actually on a a proper network. Not like that shit Conan O'Brien was doing <laughs> for a decade. No. That show, the, I think the f- entire fourth or fifth season, something like, like occurred during the pandemic and they kind of made fun of uh, uh, of uh, the people who were just like wearing the mask like you know as as uh, chin diapers essentially and it was kind of exciting to see that to see them address the pandemic and so I always wonder like is a movie going to do that and is it going to be dated but at the same time it's like you think when a movie addresses World War II it's like oh boy that's dated no it was just a thing what that were those happened people in worried history. about we took care of that easily like they, you know, what are all these concerns about this or the nuclear apocalypse right <laughs> <laughs> that's why in in the movie the menu it was exciting for that one character to be like we kept you open during the pandemic <laughs> i was like oh, they addressed it that's so cool it's I, so you know I, I i enjoy it i i don't need a movie that has everybody in masks the whole time or anything but I, i'm glad that it's okay to uh talk about it i guess it, it's such a silly little thing but i don't know it, it gave glass onion just that little bit because it's so outlandish I like the fact that it's like, hey, this takes place in our universe. And honestly, like from from the political uh, uh, cacophony of the past few years, it, it honestly doesn't feel like it's so far fetched as, as ridiculous as the film gets. It's like the all these back alley, you know, shady deals. I'm sure they happen all the time. Um, despite all that, despite all that heavy stuff, the film is just a fucking blast, man. Like, it is so good. It's a little self-indulgent because that's how Netflix is. It's like you don't have to edit yourself as much, I guess. But I I, I dug it. And you know what? I, I'll, I'll leave you with this one thing. Daniel Craig has played Bond in, like, what, five, six movies? He's played Benoit Blanc in two. I feel like I associate him more with Benoit Blanc now than I ever did with him as Bond. I actually had, I mean, I had that thought. Like, oh, it's... I mean, what, how many other actors? Well, I mean, the one that comes to mind is Harrison Ford, uh, as far as being able to step in and out of franchise-defining roles, and he's he escapes the clutches. He's not, you know, the closest Mark Hamill came was uh, with his voice as the Joker. I think he did. He did eventually establish himself as, you know, for most people as the Joker. Han Solo, Indiana Jones, Jack Ryan. Uh, Harrison Ford, I don't know how he was able to do that because um, an actor who maybe can, like you you mentioned uh, Clooney um, before, who's maybe, you know, bigger than most parts he's playing. It's it's very rare, uh, you know, as Tarantino has led us down that path for uh, a movie star name to be bigger than the character name they're playing, especially now. But yeah, I think he's left. I agree with you. I think he's kind of left more of an imprint, at least on me. Me too. Then as Bond and the probably the I mean, I guess the problem is I'm a huge fan of Casino Royale. But then when you mentioned like he was in five or six, there's going to be some I forget. <laughs> that's that's the thing is. And there was such a gap between some of them. You know, speaking of COVID, I mean, God, no time to die. It was like it felt like we were waiting for it for five years. And there's just a sense of joy that he has. Obviously, this is, you know, it's more comedy than anything he got, certainly in James Bond property. But he's also sort of playing against the expectation of someone who looks like him getting to like play like a kid, getting to be silly. Like he's got, what, what do they call that? The little 
neck handkerchief. Is that like an ascot? What is what is that that they call ascot? That's right. The uh, the Fred from Scooby Doo. Yeah, like, I mean, just <laughs> yeah. you don't expect that on someone who's meant to look always appealing uh, and sexy in some way to look cool and the joy really comes through. I think it comes through with all the cast, honestly, that they're getting to, to play. I do wonder, I think it's, I think you're on point that this one, they decide to lean into the absurdity more because it's a, it's an absurd setting with just sort of this rich uh, tech billionaire, but it's also absurd that, you know, the time that they had to shoot it in uh, the times we've lived in. Um, I wonder if that'll pull back. Uh, a little bit more um, in in the third entry. I, I expect that he will go uh, a different direction, um, but I'm I'm happy that they were playing with the house money. They were playing with Netflix, the backing that they could go with whatever tone uh, they felt like. And the the key difference here is that it's from his point of view, right? Like he's a mysterious figure in the first Knives Out, and it's mainly from the nurse's point of view. Is is this detective they they've brought in? Is he going to catch me in some way? And it's a slower reveal that he's. I think by the time you get to the the donut hole within the donut hole, that's when it starts to reveal. Like, wait a minute, this guy, this guy's a little fucking goofy. Isn't he? And you know what? And while we wait. For that third entry, we've got uh, his TV show, uh, Poker Face, with, with Natasha Leone coming out. So I, I think I think we'll have an embarrassment of riches for, for the next year or so when it comes to uh, Ryan Johnson material. I won't be satisfied until he gets his next Star Wars trilogy just because I want people to weep. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to pull their fucking hair out. <laughs> 